So these numbers yeah. are wildly under. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Um, Whatever you've heard, we've done okay. more. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I think that might end up being the like before the yeah, soundtrack yeah. Uh, of the podcast right there. Okay. Uh, Welcome to Startup Gym, a show about the hard work, coaches, and community that go into building a company. Today's episode is with Jesse Janae, co-founder of Lumi a data-driven packaging partner for modern brands. Their platform brings together everything an e-commerce company needs for packaging in one place. We talk about supply chain, brands, content, the different types of fundraising that Jesse's been through, and storytelling. Let's get into it. So, Jesse. Mm-hmm. Your Twitter bio says, yes. I stuck to a simple idea for an unreasonable amount of time. Yes. Now I run Lumi. <laughs> what does that mean? Can you unpack that for us? Yeah, I, totally. I think, um, I think that most ideas, when you hear them, they, they sound simple. So it's like, now I run an online packaging company, right? And, and But the unreasonable amount of time is meant to elude to all of entrepreneurship, okay. <laughs> which is that uh, in order to execute on something that seems simple, usually you've spent approximately two or three times as much time on it as people mm-hmm. assume. So th- th- there's actually something Stefan and I, my co-founder, were joking about the other day because um, he ran into someone and, and, and that person was just like, oh man, I've been following you for like since the beginning. And he was like, when, like since when? <laughs> and beginning? they were like 2016. Like it was like, they basically started following along Lumi when Lumi like started doing reasonably well like two years ago and it's just sort of like we've been Steph and I've been doing businesses for like nine years right yeah. <laughs> yeah. and it's like the beginning is a long time ago now yeah. yeah it's almost like the beginning is is relative to what you're talking about it is when do you think yeah. is the beginning so I think I definitely this business actually has a very crystal beginning because we joined Y Combinator in um for the winter 15 batch and we um we're like started the program in January and we we were one of those like I think rarer Y Combinator companies that steps in and has nothing where there's like everyone else in our batch was like oh yeah like this this week is rough like we might not even hit 100 grand this month or whatever and we were just like we literally haven't built anything yet <laughs> like we don't know what you're complaining about so so this company definitely starts like fresh spanking new January 2015 okay and that's like this iteration of Lumi. this iteration of because Lumi. It, it was something else before yes well the, I used the name before so right, the, the, right, right, right. I, I ran an, a a company before this it was completely different uh this product that i launched on kickstarter mm-hmm. in 2009 back when kickstarter was like a brand new thing as well and i launched this product it was this photographic fabric dye we can get deeper into that but if you want to like really like uh long story short that it's like geeky teenager makes a fabric dye um <laughs> Okay. And then goes to design school and finds a co-founder who tells her about Kickstarter. Um, that's the like that's the, the micro version. But uh, but I, I called that company Lumi because it stands for like luminescence, like light. Mm-hmm. And this fabric dye develops its color in sunlight. And then when we were starting this business, um, basically we we really loved the name Lumi. So there's no connection. <laughs> <laughs> it just, it looks cool and, and it no sounds cool. There's no connection except that it's a badass name yeah. and it's a four-letter URL that we owned. That's, what else do I have to say? It's pretty baller. Yeah. <laughs> four-letter URL. That's when you know. Yeah, that's when well. you know you've met your match. Yeah. I. It's funny as you kind of, 
as you're telling that story, you kind of step back and then kind of like tell that story a little bit and then step back further. It's like this story has kind of evolved, but yeah. it's really cool to kind of see it. I literally in my notes have timeline of your entrepreneurial journey, question mark, because <laughs> it's, 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 the there's question, a lot out there. The question and, mark part is key. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So uh, Stefan mm-hmm. joined after the Kickstarter or during the Kickstarter? The, it's hard to say that someone joins yeah, something or, sorry, when there's nothing co-founded. to join. Yes, yes. But I'm just I'm just asking you because like uh, Steph and I have also joked that we're not sure whether we ever had a conscious discussion to start any company together. It's possible <laughs> we should still do that. Yeah. <laughs> it's possible like we should still sit down and be like, do we want to run a company together? Um, it's been like 10 years. But, uh, but, it, but it, it was so organic. Like we were like doing our homework together. Mm-hmm. And then I was telling about this geeky project I had. And then he was like, maybe you should put on Kickstarter. And I was like, that's overwhelming. Do you want to do that together? And then, so we lo- we do a Kickstarter together, but we're still in school full time. Right. Like th- there was no specific moment where we go like, you know, let's hash this out. Let's start a company. Um, and you were in design school, right? We were studying industrial design. Yeah, product design. Yeah. Did you ever expect to to start a company? The, I think the honest answer is 100% yes. Like mm-hmm. I think that I, I actually started my first business um as a teenager, I was like 16, I was selling t-shirts out of my parents' basement. Um, and so I think that there's just this part of me, I've never had a job. I don't know if I'm employable, except in my own company. I don't, I, 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 I don't know, maybe, I don't know. I, I have a lot of skills, but um, haven't had to test that hypothesis. So I think I, I, I did know early, I like, I like running companies. I like um, trying my hat at things, mm-hmm. um, but it's quite a progression. I get, again, I think even looking back I at, on the Kickstarter early and stuff, I knew it was a company. I knew it was like an entity. I filed, like I opened an LLC. We we're making money. But it's just a weird thing of like, maybe it was just being really young or something, but I didn't even think of it as a company. I just thought like, this would be really cool. Let's sell this product, you know? I mean, um, it was yeah. just a I mean, it fun. sounds like in every kind of different step of what you've been doing, design has been a big focus you've mm-hmm. everything you've done has touched design in some sense mm-hmm. right how does design educate how you build your company and lead a company I, I think that going to putting myself through design school as opposed to business school um, again I can't speak to the opposite because I didn't do the opposite but um it it gives me a very different lens on like what matters um, and and also just even the process so something you do in design school, like you have a brief like there's just words and mechanisms that you do like you have a creative brief of like this thing should exist in the universe this brand needs xyz and it has like a it's like a problem set and then you um iterate like the first section is always like ideating and a bunch of crazy ideas recognizing you have to throw out like 90 percent of them because most of your early ideas are crap like this is part of the design process that you like learn and you get taught in design school and then you go through multiple iterations what you think you only need to like iterate on twice maybe you have to iterate on like 10 times and then ultimately you present your work and and this is something that I found has been very helpful and translate very well to startup and startup culture is like ultimately there's literally a thing in design school where you it's called critique and you instead of like a an exam in like a normal college you put your work up on a wall and it's called oh, the no. crit wall it's like and you get critiqued and so no pressure no pressure you literally have to hang it up on a wall in front of everyone and just and then the professor comes around and tells you whether it's crap or not and and so that is a startup right yeah. Like, yeah. like you like ultimately like there's no hiding like you can't just um you can't gamify the quiz or uh you can't just like cram the night before like the, there's no such thing 
in design you either like put your like blood sweat and tears into a thing and then you hang it on a wall and everyone tells you whether it's crap or not and that's that's how it feels to run a company maybe instead of hanging something on a wall it's in a deck um but someone definitely tells you whether it's crap or not <laughs> <laughs> yeah or, or the market will tell you that yeah, yeah. so wow. so it's it's i find those similarities to be very useful that's amazing that's a great metaphor so what is what is lumi today so Lumi is a packaging partner for modern brands. Um, and what I mean by that is we are helping e-commerce companies and brands who are taking their product direct to consumers um, buy and source everything that they need to actually ship their product. So Lumi has everything from custom printed boxes, packing tape, inner poly bag, stickers, collateral. Um, I, we like to be able to supply an e-commerce company everything that they need to ship except their product. So and the alternative is that they would have to have a separate vendor for each one of those yeah, things? Yeah, the alternative is a milieu of like brokers and distributors and agencies and people who, yeah, and, and working with a bunch of different vendors and everything is happening over email and phone. I mean, um, so Lumi does a couple things um, that are fundamentally different uh, than what's out there. Uh, we have a whole online platform that streamlines all of your packaging into one place. Um, so you can order like 15 different types of packaging through a simple interface. Uh, and that streamlines the way your team interacts with packaging. Like it just fundamentally changes it. And then the other thing that we're doing that is really fundamental is um, brokers and agencies and distributors tend to stop, um, tend to like, have a bit of a, I know a guy who knows a guy approach to where your stuff gets produced. And Lumi has a very data-driven approach. So um, an example I can give is like, um, in the US, there's about 1,200 box factories. Wow. Um, but those 1,200 are not created equal, not even close. I mean, some of them are very small. Some can produce millions of boxes in a week. Others just tens of thousands. Um, they have different equipment, different specialties, different inks, like everything. So something that we believe in strongly is by actually tracking this data, there's actually a, a mathematically correct way to design a supply mm. chain. Um, and it doesn't start with, I know a guy who knows a guy. Sure. <laughs> um, so there's a lot of work we're doing on that. Turns out technology can actually <laughs> help a little out, bit. Turns out spreadsheets yeah. are better than just picking up the phone the and phone. randomly calling people. So yeah. what do you think it's look like around here? It's it's a little different from maybe some yeah. of the other companies uh, yeah. <laughs> that, might, that we might hear on this podcast. Mm -hmm. uh, I drove through a different part of town to get here. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Not a bad part of town. Just right. there were lots of semi trucks. There was uh, a lot of, we, lots of uh, lots yes, of wide turns. We like to be centrally located for logistics, um, and we are in. We are proud uh, to be in Vernon, California. Actually, yep. uh, you can send mail here even if you address it to Los Angeles. They like know what you mean. But technically, we're in Vernon, um, and we're but we're like five minutes south of the Arts District yeah, in LA. Yeah, it's not far away. It's a it's a short five minutes. It's a long five minutes in terms of rent rates. Um, mm, <laughs> you're gonna, you're gonna, we have 12,000 square feet here. I would not have 12,000 square feet in downtown yeah, LA. Downtown would be like this room. Yeah, that we're in right we would now. be like in a tiny room together. So we, but, but so the Southern California is an incredible manufacturing hub. Um, we like to, we don't, we don't manufacture here in this building, but we have a prototyping okay. lab. Um, so we do, heavier things here like we need heavy power for my prototyping lab our prototyping lab we have a forklift so we can accept shipments and do inspections and stuff so having a big space um it just makes sense for us 
Um, and I, I like industrial spaces. I don't know if that's part of the, like the being from Detroit situation, <laughs> but I, I like a good old industrial building. Do you think that being from Detroit has educated how you run a company as well? I think so. There's like there's a lot of Detroit pride out there. I mean, yeah. um, if you haven't heard the phrase "Detroit hustles harder," yeah. um, I just love that for some reason. Yeah, <laughs> Maybe it's, it's possible it's because I'm from there. Um, very very partial, obviously. Um, the but then I'm I'm here, so I think that something that I recognize is. Um, being from Detroit um, and from I'm from the suburbs of Detroit, um, you know, to be frank. And like the it's a very tense environment, though, and especially with the time I was there. Uh, I left in 20, 2006, 2005, 2006. And it's a really, really rough time there. Mm-hmm. Um, lots of people out of work um, in every type of neighborhood, like like, you know, blue collar, white collar. Everyone was losing their jobs. Um, so I think I learned a lot of I just I saw I mean I saw kind of an industry collapse a city on the brink um it's doing a lot better now and I just think it gives you a lot of perspective I appreciate a lot of things about LA and a lot of things about the opportunities I find because I've seen the flip side which is people struggling really hard yeah yeah that's, it's intense that's, yeah that's, <laughs> sorry that to drop that on you <laughs> no it's okay uh that's no that's that's definitely helpful to you yeah hear. um you uh come from a place that has you know taught you a lot and now that yeah. you can bring what you've learned here and as you build a company yeah. you can hustle harder yeah. that's awesome uh is is this location still your home um uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, like a coded question. Yeah. All right. Well, he's well, trying to I'm hoping ask, you will. Is, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, it is. Okay. Um, I I live in an Airstream trailer behind Lumi HQ, um, and I have for a while now. Um, I think it's going on two years or maybe wow. um, somewhere around there. The fact that I've lost count means I'm like a real yeah. Airstream person now. You're um, into it. I'm really into it. But yeah, I live I live in an Airstream trailer behind the office, and it's a it's. It says probably more about I'm not obsessed with tiny living or something. People always ask me whether I'm like, have I watched the latest tiny, like home tiny homes show? Yeah. And I'm like, not only have I not watched that show, like I don't watch shows and I find myself like do <laughs> I have like way geekier pastimes than that. But um it's it's more of like a obsession with experimental living kind of okay. than than tiny living. Like what if uh a little bit of like my questioning the status quo, like um, should we all just live in apartments? I don't know. Like, I, I'm just, I, I don't know. I just, uh, I like questioning hmm. things. It's, yeah. it's really cool. It's super unique. <laughs> yeah. uh, the fact that it's like on the property of the mm-hmm. company is mm-hmm. really cool. It's a great um, filter. Like, so you get an employee in um, and they like walk around and then, uh, and then they're like, oh, what's that? And then someone's like, oh, like Jesse lives there. And then, and then, <laughs> and then either like, People, it's so binary. Like people either go, "Oh my gosh, that's so cool," or they're like, "Oh, like," <laughs> um, and, oh, okay. and and um, like it, it's you know, men, women, like young, old. Like th- there's no certain demographic that reacts a certain way. It's just <laughs> really a personal thing of like, and but we get that reaction even to the office. Like you, you've seen it. It's it's a nice office. Like there's, yeah. it's not like super rough or anything. It's we've got. We it's we've made it nice, but people walk in to the industrial building on like, and just the fact that it is an industrial building, and they'll mm-hmm. walk in and like I'll never forget an, a candidate saying something like, "Oh, like oh you you work here? Like you all work here? Like like yes <laughs> yes we do. Like we invited you over to our office. This is not like a sham office. Yeah, like there's for no the like purpose. main office in downtown <laughs> yeah, and a skyscraper. Like no you there's no like Santa Monica satellite yet. Like right. I'm sorry. So um. 
so it's it's again i think it's actually a good filter on humanity because if 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 that doesn't rub you the right way it probably isn't a great company to be at cool the <laughs> no i think it's it's very well aligned with mm-hmm. uh with what you do exactly and with our mission yeah. i think it's a, i remember the first time i came here and just like i was like yeah that makes sense this is <laughs> this office is exactly like what lumi is like yeah, you're, yeah, yeah. you're taking something that maybe would be otherwise overlooked or mm-hmm. not thought about and making it beautiful like this yep. office is beautiful yeah just like the boxes you make are beautiful so yeah. like the metaphor is strong do you I'm consider lumi so. a tech company I definitely do. And I think that's part of, um, I like the yin yang of like having elements that are 100% that way and then having other elements that are, um, you know, more physical and, and just kind of doing things our own way. So that the, we, we definitely, our DNA is, is that of a tech company in the sense of like, how we prioritize our time, the fact that we're very software focused and driven, um, focused on things that are scalable across the entire world, um, not servicing, not being regional. I mean, there's just, you could draw a lot of different uh, reasons why we have a tech company DNA, but th- but that's actually like having that DNA is what's really fun about balancing it out with like being in a building in Vernon. And um, another thing that, that we do is like, we've got a forklift here in the building and um, I like to have everyone get forklift certified if they're going to work in the building. So, wow. like our head of user interface, the whole team, the whole team, wow. everyone's forklift That's super certified. Cool. I think so. Yeah. So it takes two hours. Like I'm not like losing, you know, eons of team time to this effort. But it one, it's for safety. Forklifts mm-hmm. are dangerous. If you're going to be in the building, got to know what you're doing. And then two, it's because I like messing with people. And you know, if you haven't had a user interface person do a forklift training you haven't really lived <laughs> yeah. yeah totally <laughs> yeah. yeah it's just one of those things everybody's got to yeah. do everybody's yeah, yeah, yeah. got to have a exactly. forklift training so exactly. you said next time i come here i want to get a, a yeah. forklift training we, we we are certified in the building to certify others really? so we're like wow. a macro uh-huh we've got a meta certification wow. Yeah. Okay, a little side business right there is certifying for I'm forklifts. Gonna, we stay focused on the core business right now <laughs> no, fair fair yeah. so speaking of the core business mm-hmm. uh you do have some elements that are super unique to you know other tech companies. One thing that I realized as I was doing some research is that your industry has a lot of acronyms. Yes, so many acronyms. Yes. So what is a VCB? Oh, <laughs> VCB stands for Vertical Commerce Brand. Um, and it's a deeper definition um, than direct-to-consumer. So I think DTC was the next one I was going to ask. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. I'm sliding right in there. So direct to consumer, you know, would be a a company selling product directly to a consumer. Pretty straightforward, usually e-commerce model. Um, But VCB is like a stricter definition, which is like, um, it doesn't count if you're just selling something directly to a consumer. So anyone could like, I don't know, you go downtown to like the flower district, buy a bunch of flowers, put flowers on a website and be like, I'm a... I'm DTC now. So yeah, sort of. But, but but a VCB is vertically, more vertically integrated. They're telling their story online. It's like brands that were born online and like dedicated to online storytelling. They're usually participating heavily in the manufacturing of their product. They might not be the manufacturer, but they developed the product themselves and are like overseeing every element about it. So they didn't just go buy something. So examples, it's like ritual vitamins. Like they, they are formulating, I mean, they're they're formulating this stuff, like this is, um, or Parachute Home is like, you know, they are creating these products from scratch. Um, 
and talent and creating this entire brand and lifestyle around these products and then offering them online. So it's a little bit more than just having a website. And their vertical commerce brands are like your core yeah, they they are, and but we're we're working with traditional retail brands as well, and traditional e-commerce. And when I say like, it's almost funny to say the words traditional e-commerce, um, in the sense <laughs> that uh, um, it's pretty young industry overall. Right. But um, what I mean by that is like you know, um, th- th- this is not a customer, but it's just like there's a really big difference, right, between like parachute home or going online to Macy's online e-commerce shop and buying sheets. Like, yes, in both experiences, you went online and you bought sheets. But Macy's is a uh, traditional retailer who came online and they and everything available on Macy's is another brand, um, unless they have a private label brand, which they probably have some. But like, it's just a, f- it's, I think people don't understand like, yes, both things are e-commerce, but they're fundamentally different. Um, right. But we can work with both. Like mm-hmm. we work across traditional, Brands as well, um, but we have, I think, a stronghold in the you know VCB space. What are some VCBs you look up to and appreciate so the brand? Many. Oh. oh man, there's so many. I mean, there's so many. That they're, they're. I think that brand is their strong. Like, there's their strong point. Um, so there's so many doing an incredible job. But I mean, I think you know, there's there's brands that have been at it for a long time that just consistently deliver excellent you know excellently like like warby parker mm-hmm. um and brands like harry's and um brands like even like you know brand like bark box it's like this is they're doing amazing it's it's a dog subscription box um we we work with them um the, so i'm partial their packaging is really cute um but it's like this brings so much joy into people's lives, um, and and they and they're just so consistent in the way that they message and the way that they provide value. And I just you know I think there's tons of them, but those are a few examples. Uh, so speaking of brands that you've worked with, yeah, uh, what's an example of you know an, or one of the earlier brands that you signed as a client? One yeah, of the, one of your earliest that yeah. you worked with. How that felt? What that experience was like? Yeah, we we worked pretty early with Me Undies. Um, so we worked pretty early with them. Um, they uh, use this really cool pouch. Um, it's like a laminated pouch, um, and it's just this really awesome, awesome like looking package. We we helped figure out several different things about how we could switch up graphics more often. Um, and I think that you know if you check out their social media, something that I love, um, they're they're building such a strong brand. Um, their social media is just incredible overall. But you see the pouches right. like on their social media all the time. Um, and so the packaging plays such a dominant role in like how the brand is even perceived. So I just, it's cool that they worked with us so early and that they're so iconic as well. Cool. Yeah. Uh, we're familiar with me. Yes, I know. I know. So. Yeah. Uh, I read online that you, Uh-oh. this number is probably a little outdated by okay. now. Um, but this was around your recent fundraise. Okay. They said some numbers. Uh-oh. You've, <laughs> you've put together over 18,000 projects mm-hmm. and 25 million units. Mm-hmm. How many we brands? We shipped 25 million units last year. 25 million last so year. Not, in one year. That's not total. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my goodness. Mm-hmm. Okay. So these numbers yeah. are wildly under. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Um, Whatever you've heard, we've done okay. more. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I think that might end up being the like before the yeah, soundtrack yeah. of uh, the podcast right there. Okay. Uh, yeah. So how many brands have you worked with? Like if you had to ballpark or, or is that a number that you track? And then secondary question to that, what number is your North Star as a company? Yeah. Okay. So, um, yeah, we have like these two sides of the business. So and it provides really two different like core sets of numbers. Um 
Well, the overall numbers remain consistent, but we have this self-serve side of the side of the business that sees a lot more like individual transactions. So um, in in the, in the scheme of things, when you count both people coming online, like uploading their own art, checking out for packing tape, and then you count a brand like MeUndies, overall, um, we've worked with over 6,000 brands and like, you know, kind of purchasers like buying packaging um yeah it's it's a lot but then but then it's uh it the a lot of the large numbers are skewing heavily towards people coming and self-servicing things like a, a case of packing tape and things like that so um on the larger spectrum, we work with like um, more like several hundred brands where we consider ourselves their core packaging partner, mm-hmm. um, and they're working, you know, with account executives here, and we're intentionally, um, you know, building out their dashboards from scratch um, with uh, with their custom items. So it's a little bit of two different worlds. So you know, in the in in that category, you you know, we measure things more by the hundreds instead of the thousands right sure. now, um, but we'll get there. Cool measure. <laughs> yeah. Is that number the one that you kind of? that you care a lot about, like that those hundred or so, yeah, those couple exactly. hundred or whatever it is, yes. that's the number that you're optimizing for is yes. being closely integrated with these companies. We measure several things that, that are like kind of our North Star. We, we, um, we intentionally onboard um, brands as like accounts and then we track ramping them up to full packaging with Lumi. So so we mm. care about both things. So we have like, you know, um, each month, quarter, year, we have like a number of new accounts that we'd like to see that hit certain thresholds. And it's not thresholds of spending either. Like I know um, it's, it's thresholds of like their overall size and usually shipments. Shipments is a more reliable indicator to us mm. than like spending. So we don't judge. There might be two accounts um, shipping two brands shipping 10,000 shipments a month and one of them might be spending a million dollars a year and one of them might be spending um, $100,000 a year because of the type of packaging that they're using. Hmm. So both of those would end up in a similar bucket for us because we tend to find that this, like what people need is more based on how many shipments they're at. So we intentionally onboard brands, um, you know, at a um, at certain, certain shipment volumes and then we track whether we are their full packaging partner, because we don't have an interest in just kind of joining in the soup of mm-hmm. random vendors. Like we don't, if they're using eight different types of packaging, um, we we don't just want to make one thing for you because you're not getting the leverage out of the platform at that point. You get way more leverage out of it as a brand if you're making all eight things with us, mm-hmm. both price leverage and operational efficiency. Like now your team can just log into the dashboard and see everything. Got it, got it. Yeah. One thing that I love about this company is you are very actively helping people with their business and launch a company, launch yeah, a business yeah. and sell a product. Yeah. When someone comes to you wanting to build a business and they don't know where to start, yeah. specifically with supply chain, yeah. what's step one? How do you help them? Yeah. How do you start that conversation? It's a great question because we get we get approached by brands of all sizes, lots of pre-launch companies and um and stuff as well as plenty of companies that have been around for years. And um I think that something there's a practical thing in our world, which is we can't help you very much with your packaging if you don't have something to package. Um <laughs> which is <laughs> Helps a, to which is have a, a friendly first. thing that I like mm-hmm. to remind entrepreneurs when they talk to us is like they'll want to do a full packaging exploration. Um but it's packaging goes around a product. <laughs> yeah. And so if the brand doesn't have, something have in the box a when you product, open the box. Um, it's a little hard to get started on the packaging. So we are usually 
But but that isn't to say we don't like to start with someone early. We do, but it just comes down to like they have to have some fundamental things understood around what they're selling. Um, so for instance, if someone's starting a fashion line and they know that like their launch products are going to be t-shirts and shorts, like that's enough information, right? Like we can package around the concept of t-shirts and shorts, but if they go like, I'm starting a lifestyle apparel concept and we, I don't know yet, we might have winter jackets or we might have socks like there's nothing there's Mm -hmm. not enough dimensionality to grab onto to make packaging for that so um so i think that is a practical consideration and then and then and then you're hitting on a good thing which is we know a lot about supply chain and e-commerce in general so we do tend to find ourselves for for and we try to create more and more resources you know we have some crazy content and stuff too (laughs) to help people to give them tips and tricks on other things, not just packaging. Like, here's what we've learned by working right. with so many e-commerce companies. Speaking of which, that was the next thing I had written down. Yeah. Uh, you've started kind of a media empire here. Uh-huh. Yeah. With, <laughs> let's start with shipping things. Mm-hmm. What's that? Let us. Um, so I run a, a YouTube show called Shipping Things. It's all about shipping things. Um, I like to keep things on brand. clear cut and mm-hmm. on brand. Um, and... Uh, I like I there's something if you've watched some episodes it's like uh, it's pretty kooky um, one might say <laughs> and uh, I refer to the genre as uh, slapstick supply chain so it's like slapstick comedy meets like hardcore supply chain knowledge this is a genre of one it's a genre of one <laughs> wait, 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 wait. that's like a very good entrepreneur thing to do is like it's it's easy to win if you've created a genre of one right. <laughs> you have a complete You're monopoly like, I am the on... number one um, slapstick supply chain like content influencer. provider yeah. for sure influencer is a better word yeah it's a good word um, and then Stefan runs Well Made, the podcast. Mm-hmm. You also have Talk Shop, which is the blog and your website. Yep. What's your strategy for content? Like, why are you doing all of this? What's the goal? The goal is to have cool content. So, okay. <laughs> so, so I say that like so basically, but I think that um, I this is something I really appreciate about my relationship with Stefan and then our entire team is like we like generating this content. Like mm-hmm. it is actually part of the fun for us of running this business is that like shipping things is really fun for me. Well-made is an amazing opportunity for Stefan to have like incredible conversations with founders and creatives. Um, so we're having fun doing it, which I think spills into how people experience it. But it's like the actual antithesis of like um, people getting in a boardroom and being like, this company should have content. I wonder if we should mm-hmm. hire content yeah. folks and then like copy and pasting onto a company. So I think the fact that we enjoy doing it is um, this like, it's part of what makes it good, I hope. Yeah, it's super uh, natural, it yeah. seems. Do you, yeah. do you secretly want to be a movie star? Is that like... No, no, <laughs> I don't think I've, I'm not a movie star character. And, and for any of you who have not seen what we're talking about, like, if you watch these videos, they will. I you will, will definitely put this in the show notes. If you watch notes. these videos, you will not think, "Oh yes, future movie star." <laughs> like he's really. No, maybe you know, slapstick supply chain will become a yes, huge movie genre. And... Exactly, and then I will be like the breakout star yeah. in that genre. But no, I think um, I've joked before that that I um, like I really enjoy comedy. I've done like improv before. I think. Um, if I again go back to like we, who knows if I'm even employable um, in the scheme of things. So um, in that genre, like if I I love what I do, like I imagine doing this basically for the rest of my life, like running companies. Um, but if I wasn't doing this, I don't know, maybe I'd just be doing stand up and <laughs> somewhere awesome. in some basement somewhere. <laughs> so Lumi has gone through. This is a bit of a 
turn. Okay. Uh, I have no, I have no smooth it. transition okay. for this one. Don't worry about it. I'm ready. But I think it's a fun activity to do. Okay. Lumi's been through a few different types of funding mm-hmm. recently, which we'll get into, but you've mentioned a couple of them already. Kickstarter, mm-hmm. Y Combinator. I, I'd like to go through each one and just quickly say like a benefit and a challenge okay. and any advice for okay. entrepreneurs seeking like that path. Great. Okay, cool. There's plenty of them. And I'll, when you say them, I'll tell you whether it was for Incodai or for the yes, first company yes, or this one. Okay, exactly. cool. Exactly. Cool. Um, so I guess you specific, this is more you yeah. specifically as an yeah, entrepreneur yeah. than sure. it is Lumi, at least in this iteration. But cool. So Kickstarter. Yeah. What's your advice for okay. any entrepreneur who wants to do that? I think Kickstarter is an incredible platform. I think it is, I think everyone recognizes it's so much more than the money. It is a marketing engine. It's a way to build community. Um, and the best way to use to use that community and that platform is to tell a great story. Mm. So, and and if you can't tell a great story on Kickstarter, um, you probably can't tell a great story to an investor. Like a great story mm. is critical for every business. So I think Kickstarter is a great place to learn your chops at that because um, it's so direct. It's a, it's, it's to me, it is a kernel of like a very early baby kernel of um, the direct to consumer e-commerce mm. boom. Because what's more direct than putting a video online right. and asking people, do you want this thing? It's like the ultimate version of selling your product because you're selling it before it exists. Exactly. So Mm. I think, I mean, to me, it's it's a way to hone your chops at that in addition to getting the funding you need. And that was Mm Incodai. Yeah. Next, you turned down Shark Tank. Oh, I knew. Of course I knew we were going to talk about Shark Tank on this. Um, We don't don't have to get too much into it. Uh Um, Mm -hmm. So it doesn't have to be Shark Tank specifically. Um, I've heard the stories on other podcasts. Yeah, um, yeah. You had a whole phone debacle. And, oh, yeah. I dropped my phone uh, in a toilet right before I was going to go on air. But that's just like a classic me out. move. Um, yeah. Let's let's kind of generalize that a little bit okay, and say okay. just like pitch competitions. I think that's probably yeah. the closest. And I can say a couple of specific words on Shark Tank as well. I think that mm-hmm. – um, I think Shark Tank, it's like most funding mediums – well, it's, not, it's unlike all funding mediums, so let me recant that. What I mean is um, – the similarity it has is um, you you should always be aware of what funding mechanism is good for what your goals mm-hmm. are. And so to me, um, there's products that are gr- like kind of great to pitch to a primetime TV audience. Mm-hmm. If you have a product that's great for that kind of pitch environment, then maybe Shark Tank is good for you. If your product is a terrible fit for that kind of environment, then Shark Tank is probably a terrible fit yeah. for you. And that comes back to like even whether it's a pitch competition or anything else, you're honing a pitch for a certain audience. Um, and sometimes it's too, too easy to lose sight of who the audience mm-hmm. is. Um, because ultimately, I don't think there's any right or wrong way to fund a business, but there's definitely plenty of ways to be tone deaf and like pitch mm-hmm. the wrong thing to the wrong people. Got it. We don't have to talk too much more about it because yeah. I don't want to get a letter from ABC. For, <laughs> I know, <laughs> for I know. Mentioning I'm pretty sure their, I signed their away like, yeah, sev, like exactly. my firstborn and everything else. So yeah, who knows? So next, I think I think the time not, so the timeline is that yeah. next was Y Combinator. Correct. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I did, yeah, um, well, yeah, exactly. Y Combinator. Um, and I think you know accelerators in general, um, can be really impactful to a company. I think that something I appreciate about Y Combinator. As someone who already discussed went to design school, not business school, is like I went there for you know three months, the three month program, and you get a power packed set of information mm-hmm. around around all of this language, all this terminology around investing, around how to like how to interact with a certain group of people, how to um, put together a great deck, like all of these things that um, 
that you're not born knowing. Even if you're a great entrepreneur, you're not born knowing mm-hmm. these things. You have to learn them somehow, some way. Um, and so I think when you consider an accelerator, it's called an accelerator for a reason because in three months, you get what it might have taken you like two years worth of coffee meetings or right. something to string together. Mm-hmm. So I, to me, it's speed. And I really um, felt like I got that out of that program. And then most recently, Venture Capital, right? Yeah, uh-huh. So you've raised a couple of different rounds yep. from some investors. You yeah. most recently raised Series A. Yep. Um, what was that experience like? And yeah. I know that that could be a yeah. whole episode of a yeah, podcast yeah, is advice of like fundraising from VCs, but anything you would say. Yeah. Specifically, I'm curious, how did you get VCs excited about supply chain? Yeah, that's a good way of being like, you are going in a room with like people who talk about like the future of AI and everything right. else. And you're going to talk to them about boxes and tape and like try to get their attention. So um, I think that uh, that that goes back to like really good storytelling, like back to the Kickstarter and, and like tools and everything is like, how do you know your audience, know what they're interested in, know how their business model functions um, and then and then understand how to explain and articulate your goals to them in a way that makes them see that this could be a multi-billion dollar opportunity. It could be a very sustainable, like publicly traded entity. Like you you have to paint that scene, which is very, very complicated when you're just getting going. But but if you can't paint that story, then why should they believe that that you're gonna get there? If you can't even explain it, then then how can how can, should they believe that you're gonna get there? Um so the but the know your audience piece to me is really key. There's um there's a book that a lot of people talk about um that Brad Feld wrote called Venture Deals. Mm-hmm. Um and uh I would recommend like to me it's interesting slash surprising that a lot of people, especially in the early days, like pitching for seed and stuff, they're pitching VCs and if you quiz them on what a VC is or how a VC raises their money or what like a fund is or anything they don't know right and i think that's not great because because know your audience like you Mm -hmm. are they have a dynamic they have bosses so to speak um they don't just have a big pool of money that they're indiscriminately passing out right They, they this is a business model and the more you understand about it the more you understand how certain aspects of your pitch might land um so i would definitely advocate people i would always advocate people being literate about what they're doing, but especially I think with venture capitalists, when you're a founder and you're running around with your head cut off, you um, sometimes you just you are too simplistic about it. It's like VC equals dollar signs. Like no, like they have an entire model. If you don't understand right. it, you're going to catch yourself on the wrong side of that, um, you know, misunderstanding and and yeah. just maybe not land a comment. That's really interesting. That's good advice. That book recommendation is like yeah. you hear that a lot from people who want to get into VC. Yeah, I don't think I've ever heard it like. You should read this Just if you are an entrepreneur you wanting to talk pitch. to VCs. That's mm-hmm. a really good piece of advice. Yeah. As you were raising, what were some of the questions that came up most frequently? Hmm. And what are some questions that you wish you had been asked more? Oh, interesting. Um, questions that come up, like, I really think that we got a pretty standard set of questions. I, I, did, I think that, you know, there's a standard set of questions at Seed or at Series A that are asked about your metrics and your traction and your and and your go-to-market strategy and how you're building a technical mode and and um, all that stuff and even and that's where like the whole language of this stuff like that you get used to that that is not normal at first like technical mode what are you optimizing for like all of these mm-hmm. sentences or whatever that are actually not real human sentences <laughs> uh, you have to just start listening to podcasts and reading right. <laughs> reading a bunch of like geeky blog posts to like know all these terms so i'd recommend that but 
we got we got all those questions. I think the questions we get that more be particular to us are, are weird is like people really did want to know why we decided to do this. Yeah. <laughs> like I think there was a basic human fascination with like, okay, I see your good numbers and I see your metrics and I see your tech and everything. But why? But why? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, but how did you end up doing this? Um, and I think that was almost like a basic human curiosity that people had. And and of course we have a pretty you know we have a really good reasons and authentic story on that but i think we got that a lot like but why (laughs) fair enough yeah yeah yeah. the why is good yeah what are you this is an open-ended question okay Uh, we're in the last couple minutes here so Uh uh-huh what are you most excited about okay so i find that as in in my role you know as ceo and founder person etc um i think that it's like actually thrilling to see aspects of your company working without your intervention like where there's there's just things that you conceived of one day and it feels like yesterday to you it you know whether it was two years ago or whatever it feels like you just thought of that thing and then you you know you look around and there's an entire team executing on it and they don't even ask you questions anymore because they don't need you or they're better at it than you are um at this point and i find that to be just like inherently thrilling it's like um and then i think that to be to, to you know to raise a series a and have um kind of the funds we need to run a company the and run the hypothesis that we want to run um it's it's it is inherently exciting. I, I don't know. It's just this weird thing of like, I guess, and all whenever you you entrepreneur for a very long time, and you are most entrepreneurial careers. There's just way longer that you are just actually truly in survival mode than people discuss. Everyone's always crushing it, and everyone's always blah blah blah. And I get that, but the reality is everyone's like just trying to survive for most of it. <laughs> um, totally. and, and and I don't, and I mean survive financially, survive mentally, just physically, whatever it is. And so I think it's like truly exciting to be in a moment of time with Lumi where we, where I know definitively we're doing so much more than surviving. Um, and I see that through our customers and I see that through the way my team operates. Um, it's like incredible. It's like a really cool to have the opportunity. How big is the team now? Um, we're 30 people. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Which, which, awesome. I, which I know like it's, 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 you know, I was just with a group of entrepreneurs last week. Um, and you know, I, I just love meeting people where they're like at 10 people and I say 30 and they're like oh, 30, you know, and then, and then <laughs> yeah. I talk to another entrepreneur that's like just hit 150 and they're like 30. That was a good, <laughs> that was a good, you know, six months, you know, right. or whatever. And so I, um, I love both frames of reference like I Mm -hmm. I can relate to both people um and I understand what they mean and you're always at the moment you're at you try to enjoy it I'm assuming you're probably hiring right now yes we are hiring we are hiring we've um got a couple couple kind of key executive positions and then we're um I would say you know we're we're pretty bullish on hiring on engineering we do a lot of functional programming um Mm -hmm. so if anyone out there is really into that stuff we're I think you know, a company in LA going deep on on functional programming. We've got some really big brands on the team doing that. So it's a good crew to join. And then our sales team as well, working directly with these awesome e-commerce brands. Um, always happy to meet that talent cool. too. So how can people learn more? Where yeah. should they reach out? But specifically, how should they reach out if they want help shipping things? Yeah. 
Um, so if you want help shipping things, um, you know, you can always reach out to us uh, over over email, like hello at Lumi.com. If you just go to our website at Lumi.com, we've got a get a quote button or a get started button and you can click that anytime and uh, and kind of get into the flow and, and get started on your packaging. So uh, that's that's good stuff to do. And then other, if you're just shopping around or you're interested in learning more, you can always check out shipping things and the well-made yep. podcast and all that content, which is They'll fun. be in the show notes. And then you, yeah. where can they find you? Oh, so I'm Jesse Janae and it's spelled G-E-N-E-T. And so I'm at like, my all my handles are Jesse Janae, Instagram, Twitter, everywhere. So cool. you can find me there. This is great. Thanks, yeah. Jesse. Thank you. Thanks again to Jesse Janae and to Lumi for having me at their office. What I love about Lumi is its story and how Jesse and the team have crafted it. They're building something really special. And if you want to be a part of it, you can find their job listings at lumi.com slash jobs. At the moment, there's everything from design to engineering to sales, and they even have a name your job option. We do hope you learned something during this podcast. If you did, please leave us a rating. It takes less than a minute and it really helps. My name's Laz at Laz Alberto on Twitter if you have any feedback. Thanks for listening.